Hello and welcome to Doula Dang Thing. Today I'm going to be talking about what I wish I knew about the foster and adoption system. Doula Dang Thing is not intended for medical advice. If you have a medical issue, please contact your care provider. Hi everyone! Thanks so much for joining us on Doula Dang Thing today. It's just me, Ashley, the birth coach. I'm here without Natasha again because I wanted to continue the series of what I wish I knew back when I was giving birth that now I do. Well, uh, the past two episodes have been about my birth stories. My first birth, my baby was born at 26 weeks. My second birth, my baby started to come at 26 weeks and I give you some tips and what I wish I knew and so if you haven't listened to those, um, they can be a trigger. So listen with caution and so can this episode. Uh, but I just wanted to turn my negatives into your positives because I want you to know things that I wish I knew. So we're going to go through uh, my third child's uh, birth story and uh, how he came to be in our family. I did not birth him myself. He was adopted through foster care. And uh, we're just going to go through what that looked like, what I went through during that time, what I wish I would have known. And I know this is more of like a birth podcast, but I know a lot of times birth is not possible. And for me, uh, it may have been possible, but we were just not willing to risk it again because of my previous births being so traumatic. So we decided to adopt because I felt like my family just wasn't complete and I couldn't imagine my life without my my third son. So we're going to jump right in. Let's rewind to back when I only had two children. We were happy. The babies were healthy. I was healed and healthy and healing emotionally and all of those good things. But I just had this nagging feeling like like our family wasn't done, like we, we needed another baby. And my husband had immediately gotten a vasectomy after my second was born because he's like, uh, no, I'm not doing this anymore. So he had a vasectomy and I would have like phantom pregnancies. So like I would have like some small symptom and I'd be like, oh, I think I'm pregnant. And he'd always joke like, oh, well, if you're pregnant, who's the dad? Because he wasn't able to get me pregnant. But I just always wanted to be pregnant so bad. Like I felt so sad that I could never have another baby. And like I said in last week's episode, uh, talking about my second birth, we looked into foster care and decided that it was just going to be too hard. And the thought of, you know, having a baby in our home, loving that baby, and then having to give it back was, it just felt impossible at the time. And so fast forward a couple years when my kids were a little older, my mother-in-law we were talking about it and I said, yeah, you know, I just feel like I really want another baby. I don't know why I'm feeling like this. It's not really possible. And she's like, well, why don't you think about foster care? I was like, no way. I can never do that. It's way too hard. It's That sounds awful. It sounds like the last thing I want to do. No, definitely not. And then I was at a friend's house 
and we were having like a, a girl's day play date kind of a thing. Play date, which was just like an excuse for us to hang out and our kids could play at the same time. So it was a win-win. And we were talking about it and one of them knew someone who wanted to give their baby up for adoption. And I made a joke like, well, if anybody doesn't want a baby, I'll take it. And I made that joke and we all laughed. Ha ha ha, Ashley is so funny. Not really. But then at church that week, there was a fostering agency that was like outside of church and they were talking all about foster care and adoption and all of that stuff. And I looked at my husband and I just started bawling crying. And it was just, had that, had that foster care company been there any other week, I would have been like, oh, that sounds cool for somebody else. But just the way I was thinking about it and talking about it all that week, and then they showed up, it just felt like it was a sign that that's what I was supposed to do. So I signed up. Um, My husband was, of course, on board. He agreed, and, you know, I'm not, like, forcing him to do anything. We talked, we had a long talk about it, and we decided that we would give it a try. Now, when you go into foster care, there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to adopt a child. Their main goal is to give the baby back to the family. The family reunification is number one for the fostering community. Well, we signed up, you go to their orientation, and they do their best to scare the crap out of you. They tell you the worst case scenarios. They tell you, you know, the worst things they've ever seen, the worst everything to try to scare away. This is kind of like weeding out the people who are not really serious about it. Because the reality is there are some terrible things that go down. Unfortunately, the the world can be an ugly place. And so we sat down after the orientation. We talked it through. And we just said, well, we can always try it. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. When after you, after you decide that you want to go through with it, they put you through a series of classes. You have to take, you know, parenting classes and um, CPR and first aid and like do all these classes. You have to have so many hours of classes to be able to foster. We went through all the classes, we did all that, we were really excited, really nervous, and they came to do a home study, which is where they come to your home, ask you every single personal question under the sun, and you answer them all, they look around, they open your drawers, they open your closets, you know, they make sure that this is going to be a safe place for a child. And as she was there for the home study, she's like, okay, we're going to, you know, file this, file that, go through all this. I have a placement for you guys if you're open to it. Now, this placement was a sibling set. Now, we said we only wanted one baby. But social workers oftentimes will kind of try to get you to take more than one if they feel like you can handle it or that you'd be a good fit. And I was like, I don't know if I want to start off with two. 
But then I thought about these little babies. And of course I said yes, because that's just who I am. <laughs> so we said yes, and we took the sibling set. Well, they had different dads. And so one of the children was taken out of our home pretty shortly after we had him, maybe like a month or so, and given to his dad. And we had this little baby girl. Boy, did we fall in love with her. She was amazing. We were like, this is our baby. We're going to have this baby. Well, that didn't work out. And we were absolutely heartbroken. And I think the mindset we had going in of having a baby was the completely wrong mindset to have. Because not only did it set us up for failure, it wasn't realistic. Nobody was trying to give us a baby. We were essentially just caring for the baby until the baby could go to a family member. And that's how I wish I would have seen foster care from the beginning because I think it would have saved me a lot of heartache. And of course, you know, these babies need love and they need attachment and they need all of these things. But I wish I wasn't going into it thinking like, I'm getting a new baby. Because I wasn't. I was caring for someone else's baby while they could get back on their feet so they could have their baby back. Another thing I wish I would have gone into it thinking was the realization that I couldn't fix anyone. I couldn't save anyone. I was not doing that. It wasn't about me saving the world or me doing something incredible. It wasn't, it, it just didn't feel like that. In fact, it felt like I was the least important person in this situation. Because the parents, even though they're maybe not in the best place, are still the parents. And they still have the same choices that any parent would have. And they decide, you know, if... They decide how you raise their child. They decide if they even want that child in your home. And they decide a lot of things. And it was tough to feel like a mom, but not be a mom. You know what I mean? Like it was, I was just a kind of a glorified babysitter. And I wish I would have expected that going into it. And I think they probably tried in the parenting classes, but I was just too excited to have a baby that I didn't really let that sink in. Because I do remember them saying, like, you're not saving anyone. You're not doing anything like that. But it was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, sure. And I didn't take it in. I didn't take it for what it was. And that set me up for a lot of heartache. It also made me have a lot of mixed emotions because on the one hand, of course I wanted the parents to get their life back together. Of course I wanted them to be able to be reunited with their baby, but I also wanted this baby. And it was just a really weird internal struggle that was 
difficult to navigate and very humbling because you don't want to think about yourself thinking those things. You don't want to think about yourself thinking like, well, maybe we could keep this baby, but then wanting to keep that baby meant that the, the parents would have to stay in whatever they were in. And it was just a weird juxtaposition, a weird struggle. And it didn't feel good, honestly. And in the times when it was, you know, just us and the baby and we were just focused on her, it was amazing. But the second you start thinking about the family and and what they're doing and how that can affect you and your life and and just kind of uproot things in a second was really scary. We had this baby girl for I don't remember exactly how long. It was like around 6 months, maybe more, maybe less. And one day the social worker came and she said, "Okay, we're taking this baby essentially." And that's it. And they took the baby. They don't really let you know ahead of time very much. They don't give you a ton of notice. It's like, okay, pack her things. We're going to come get her. Which I understand because, you know, sometimes people do some crazy things. But that was so hard just to like all of a sudden, she's gone. You're not seeing her anymore. And that's it. We were heartbroken. We thought, oh, we really thought this was going to be our baby. And again, our fault. We should never have thought that. But we just wanted it so badly to be true that you kind of just tell yourself that Because it makes it feel more comfortable. It makes you feel like this is just the new normal. This is how it's going to be. It makes it easier to care for them and to love them when you feel like they're yours. And honestly, for that baby's sake, I wouldn't have changed that. Because they need that. They need to feel like they belong. They need to feel loved like that. They need to feel like they are part of the family. And I guess that was a sacrifice we made for her to sacrifice our own hearts and well-being for hers. And that's the only way I know how to care for a baby. Because they take so much. So much love, so much time, so much energy. But they're so worth it. After she left, we decided to take a couple months off. We didn't know if we were going to jump back in or not. It was harder than we imagined, which we had already imagined it to be pretty tough. And we weren't sure if we wanted to put anybody through that again. It was hard for our children. It was hard for us. It was hard for our extended family who welcomed her with open arms. And so we weren't sure. 
we waited and waited. And one night we looked at each other and said, you know, we went through all that training, all of those, all of that stuff. Like, let's just try it one more time. Maybe now that we know what to expect better and we have some experience under our belt, maybe this time it will be a little bit easier. Well, it wasn't. When you call in to say that you want to be put on the fostering list, we were in California, LA County at the time, and I mean, there were tons of kids who needed a place to stay. Tons of babies. And it's kind of creepy when they, because they'll call you, say, okay, we have a baby this age, they live here, you know, they give you all the stats of the baby, and it's up to you to say yes or no. And reasons you might say no are there are multiple people involved that will require visitation. Um, Most families still get visits with the babies or children, and so that takes up, you know, a few hours of your day. And sometimes if there are multiple family members, that's multiple days, multiple hours a day. Um, So it is definitely more of a time commitment. And I already had two young children myself. And so I wasn't looking for a super complicated situation that was going to take up more time than I could realistically give. And that feels like crap too, because it's almost like you're shopping for a baby. It feels gross. It's like, oh no, I'm not going to take that baby. What else do you have on the shelf? Like, it's just a weird system. It's a weird feeling. But, you know, I had to do what I had to do for my family. And so we did say no to a couple of placements. And mind you, this was all within like a few hours of the day. Like they kept calling, no, that one probably won't be a good fit for us. Call again. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that one will work. Call again. Okay, yeah, that one sounds like it will be a good fit for us and it works. And yes, we will take that baby. So little baby boy showed up to my house within a few hours. Yes, it's that fast. It can be anyway. And boy, was he cute. He was so adorable, so sweet, just wanted to kind of snuggle. The cutest little baby ever. And the social worker came, said, okay, here's your baby. A little chit-chat for a minute. Then she's off, and you are left with a baby. And he was awesome, and we loved him so much. And we were just, you know, living our lives. And a couple weeks later, I got a call from a social worker. She said, hey, the little girl you were fostering before is back in our custody. Will you take her back? I had a three-month-old that I just got, 
and was, you know, figuring all that out. And I said, oh my gosh, because we love that baby girl so much. And I said, I got to talk to my husband. She's like, okay, call me back right away because, you know, we have to get it done fast. Because when they detain a baby from the home, where are they going to put him or her? They got to find a place. So I called my husband. I said, you're never going to believe this. That baby can come back to us, but now we're going to have two babies. He's like, well, I guess let's go for it. I was like, okay, I'm going to call him back and we're going to go for it. That was, I wish I did not make that choice looking back. That was painfully difficult for me and my family. My heart was in the right place, but my boundaries were not. I way inflated my abilities, my time, all of that. And like I said, we suffered for it. What I wish I would have known back then that I know now is that you can want to do all the good in the whole entire world, but if you do not have the ability, time, patience, finances, etc. It's okay to say no. It's okay to care for yourself first. It's okay to put you first, your family first. That's okay to do. I wasn't good about that back then. My heart was in the right place. But you can't help everybody else if You're not helping yourself. And I learned that the hard way. When she came back to our home, she had grown up a lot because babies grow up real fast. And she was probably about 11 months when we got her back. And she was running. She was 11 months and running. And she was a different baby. But we were so excited to have her back. And we just jumped in. When you have a foster placement, there are different rules than your own children. There are social workers that come to check up on them, to check your house. Uh, We were working with a fostering agency instead of through the state, which adds more rules and more checks on the home. And so it was just really time consuming. My biological children at the time were, I think they were like three and six. So they were still pretty young. They still needed a lot of me. And I had these two babies with all of these appointments. It's not uncommon for them to have developmental therapy sessions. Like I said, the social worker sessions. 
There are different doctor appointments that you have to have. For instance, if your baby, if your foster baby falls or, you know, has a bruise or anything like that, or if they hit their head at all or anything like that, you have to take them directly to the doctor. I mean, if my kids fell and got a bruise, it would be like, okay, you fell and got a bruise. You're, you're most likely fine. Obviously, if it's a head injury, that could be a different situation. But even if they lightly bumped their head, got a bruise, you have to take them to the doctor. So it's just like extra things that you wouldn't necessarily always do with your own kids that you have to do with the foster. And I was running myself ragged. I just wanted to be all things for all people, and I wish I just would have set more boundaries for myself. I wish I would have felt okay with saying no to some things, because it was no one's fault but my own. As a result of just being so exhausted and on this hamster wheel of people-pleasing and caring for others and never filling my own cup. I lost so much weight. I mean, I'm already a fairly thin person. I was skin and bones. I was depressed. I wanted to maybe die. I don't think I was exactly suicidal. But I wasn't opposed to being dead. And anytime anyone from my family would see me, it was like, I could see it on their face. Like, are you okay? Like, you know you don't have to be doing this. You know you don't have to spread yourself so thin. But I thought, well, yes, I do. I took these babies in. Now I have to care for them. And I was very quickly losing myself. Had I known what I know now, I would have asked for way more help. I would have taken more time for myself. And I think then I would have actually enjoyed the experience because those kids were amazing. I loved having them in my home. I just didn't do it right. And it's the same if you have your own biological children when you take time for yourself, you will enjoy the experience more. It won't feel like as much of a burden. It will feel fun. You have to care for yourself first. You just have to. And it feels counterintuitive because you have this little thing relying on you for every little thing. But you can't give what you don't have. I had so little patience for my older kids. And I look back on some some of the things that I would do or say sometimes. And it still hurts me. It wasn't ever anything like awful. Like, you know. But it's just, you have this idea of what you want to be and who you want to, what you want to act like as a mom. And I wasn't. I wasn't that for them back then. And it still makes me sad. Fast forward a few months. 
and there was some chitter chatter about the little girl going to a different family member. And I thought, well, okay, it didn't feel as sad this time because I was just so depleted. Not that I I loved her any less, but I was just that broken. And I went to a a women's like retreat. And I came back feeling rejuvenated. I was like, okay, we got this. We can do this. I can handle all of this. Well, while I was gone, my husband was watching the kids by himself. The second I walked through the door, I had this big smile on my face, feeling great. He looked at me and he said, we cannot do this. This is not fair. I thought, what? What do you mean? Like, I feel like I can actually do it now. Like, I feel like pumped and ready to go. And we both started crying. He said, it's not fair for you. It's not fair for, you know, our kids. We can't do it anymore. And we both cried deep cries because, like I said, our heart was in the right place. It just, we didn't do it the right way. And at the time, we didn't know how. I called the social worker and I said, okay, you know, we're, we're kind of waving the white flag here. We're really struggling. And I don't think we can continue with two. And she said the best thing I could have ever heard. said, well, that's okay, because we have a family member lined up, and your baby girl is going to go to the family member. What a weight lifted off my shoulders. Do I still feel sad that that's the way it went down, and that's what I had to tell myself and say? Yeah. But when I look a little deeper, I see that Because I was where I was, it didn't hurt as bad for her to leave. It still hurt, and I still cried like a deep, deep cry for days. It didn't feel as traumatic. And it relieved some of the feelings of failure that we for sure have. And I know I'm opening myself up for judgment in this situation. But I'm okay with that. Because everybody's different. Every situation is different. Everyone can handle different things. And I had to do what was best for me and my family. And the humbling I received from this experience taught me a lot about who I am, what I need as a person, and what I don't. It brought a new perspective of the kind of mother I want to be. Not that 
picture perfect cookie cutter mom, but that I just wanted to be myself and love my kids and be there for my kids in a way that felt right for me. Because I had always felt a lot of pressure to act a certain way, to be a certain way. And this situation broke that idea in a split second. And change can be painful. Healing is painful. Growth is usually painful as well. But necessary events for us to move forward, to learn about ourselves, and to become the people that we really truly want to be. After she left, I waited for the other shoe to drop with my baby boy that I had. I knew somebody was going to come take him at any moment. And I was slightly guarded. But I also loved this baby so much and I wanted him to be mine so badly. And he was. We ended up adopting him. The process took a little over two and a half years, which is very fast. Um, in the you know California adoption, foster to adopt situation that we had going on there. What I wish I would have known is that the timelines they give you are never right. Never ever. What the social worker says the judge is going to do is almost never right either. You can't have expectations when you're fostering. You can't have expectations when you're adopting. Things always take longer. Things are postponed. Things are not done correctly. Lots and lots of hiccups on the road to adoption. I wish I would have had less less expectations, especially since everyone the whole time was like, oh yeah, this is going to be easy. This is an open and shut case. This is going to happen like this, and this is going to happen like that, and no one was ever right. Not once. Just with my personality and who I am, I don't know, honestly, if I could have had less expectations. That's really tough for me. But at least I could have tried. After I adopted my son, I thought I would feel 100% full of joy, just like ecstatic. We're going to have a party, like it was going to be this huge celebration and, you know, all of this stuff. But I didn't. Of course I was ecstatic he was mine forever and that he was going to be a part of our family and no one was going to take him from us. That part felt like a huge relief. And that part felt happy. But I also had this underlying nagging feeling, a lot of pressure to make his life great. And I know we always have that pressure with our kids. This felt even more heavy to me. And I had mega imposter syndrome, like, who am I to take care of this baby? Like, why do I think I'm the one that should be caring for him? 
and I grieved for his mother and their and their family and I grieved for him having to ever feel like he wasn't wanted or all of those feelings that can come up with adoption I was so depressed and I never ever expected to feel that way but the years leading up to this exciting emotional event were really hard. I went through a lot of changes, a lot of growth, a lot of setbacks, a lot of disappointment, a lot of love. It was a roller coaster ride. And I I didn't have time to process any of that. I was just, you know, on that hamster wheel, just like getting through the day, getting through the day, getting through the day, day after day. I never took time for myself. If you're feeling like you're on a hamster wheel and that you can't find joy in something that should be joyful, reach out. It's not worth it to try to do it on your own. Seek help. Whatever help means to you, seek it. What I wish I would have known is that post-adoption depression is extremely common, just like postpartum depression is. I didn't really know that. I didn't expect to have that. I never had postpartum depression with my babies that I birthed, but the baby I adopted, I just, I felt so sad. Over time, I started to feel better, I let go of that grief. I felt like the longer we had him, the more we couldn't imagine our lives without him. And it felt like he was meant to be here. I was the right mother for him. And that everything had worked out because it was supposed to. And that gave me some comfort. Do I always feel like I'm the perfect mother for any of my children? Of course not. Because none of us are perfect. We just do the best we can with what we have. But all they need is to be loved and cared for and appreciated and respected. And everything falls into place. What I wish I would have known back then is that yes, you absolutely will love your adopted child just as much as a biological child. I don't know how it happens, but it does. You would still do anything for them. You'll still look at them while they sleep and just think, wow, you're so beautiful. They'll still give you that gooey feeling inside when they giggle or say your name or, you know, write you a card when they get older or draw you a picture. You still get those same gooey feelings inside with an adopted child as you do with a biological child. Now, does that take letting your guard down? Yes. Because I believe love is a choice. You can choose to love something or not. Because the reality is, even with your biological kids, they're going to do things sometimes that you're going to have to choose to love anyway. They're going to test your patience 
they're going to break something important to you. They're going to pee, poop, throw up, fart. Like they're going to do all kinds of stuff and you're going to choose to love them anyway. The same goes for adopting and fostering. You choose to love them. You choose to open your heart up to them. You choose to allow yourself to get hurt. Potentially. Like I said, this situation, this experience was extremely humbling, extremely frustrating, extremely difficult. And all of my worries before I started pretty much came true. (laughs) But I've talked to my husband recently and I asked him, you know, would you ever do that again? Both of us said yes. Both of us said we would foster again. It's just like giving birth. It's difficult and hard and painful and a roller coaster ride of emotions. But people do it again. Because the outcome is so worth it. So I encourage you, if you are either unable to have biological children or you're kind of toying with the idea of fostering or adopting a child because there are so many children out there who need a home, a safe place to live, someone to love them, someone to care for them in the ways they deserve to be cared for. If you have any of those inclinations, I I encourage you to do it. Not because it was a great experience for me and it was so easy and you know, it was just like cut and dry, open book, oops, got a baby. But because it's worth it. And my experience is not everyone's experience. Sometimes you don't get to adopt any babies. Sometimes you're fostering for years and years and years, and you never get to adopt and keep that baby. And even though at the time it doesn't always feel like you're doing a huge service to the world or changing the world in any way because it's so hard and you feel like maybe you're not doing the best job or, you know, whatever you're feeling like in the moment. You're giving that baby a place that's safe where they can form attachments, attachments within the first year of life, set them up for success for the rest of their life. When babies don't get attachments in that first year, It changes the trajectory of their life. And of course, there are ways to foster and adopt older children. Older children have a very difficult time getting adopted. They need homes too. And the baby stage is not for everyone. I happen to love the baby stage the most. It's my favorite so far. So that worked out well for me. But children of all ages need a place to live that's safe and they're cared for and loved appropriately. What I wish I would have known then that I didn't know, that I know now, is there are zero ways that are easy to have a baby. There are no easy ways to have a baby. Adoption's not easy. I know that's like a stigma that's out there that's like, 
oh, well, at least you didn't have to be pregnant or give birth. Well, you know what? I had very difficult labors, very difficult births. And I can honestly say adoption might have been harder than all of those combined because it lasts so much longer. There's just so much more things out of your control. There is no easy way to have a baby. But they're all worth it. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have one more in this series and then we'll bring Natasha back. The next one I'm going to do is what I wish I knew with breastfeeding that I know now as a breastfeeding counselor. So don't miss that one if you're planning on breastfeeding. This one's going to be tough for me to hear back. I already know it. I already know I'm going to cry. Thank you for being here with me. Please subscribe so you don't miss another episode. Like, leave us a review. Contact us on Instagram at supported underscore season or supportedseason.com slash contact. The link is in the show notes. We'd love to hear from you. Tune in every Wednesday here at Doula Dang Thing where we help you doula dang thing. Thanks for listening. See you later. Bye.